Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. Ace Podcast. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On today's episode, what's up with Red Dead Redemption 2? The state of the WWE? A Super Bowl preview? And are we ready to take a cruise with Mickey Mouse and Harry Potter? All this and more as we reach our next stop. The PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glass from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. And my goodness, it is wall-to-wall pop culture we've got for you today because we've got a lot of guests appearing on today's program. But we've also got my good friend. He is the man, the myth, the legend at the wonderful experience known as Humanica Media is Josh Peterson. What's going on, my friend? Hey, hey, hey. I'm just trapped in these uh, walls of pop culture. I'm just, they're surrounding me. I'm in, I'm in a box of pop culture. Oh my gosh. It's almost like the uh, song Living in a Box by Living in a Box. I remember when that came out, I'm like, that's a stretch for as far as the title of your song there. But yes, we are trying to do what we can to share our experiences to the world out there with Humanica Media. You can catch it all over the place on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and so many other outlets, plus also Pop Culture Cosmos. We're here to do what we can to provide you the latest, greatest topics in pop culture and all over the podcasting and and radio hemisphere. It's going to be a great episode we've got for you today. We've got Rob McCallum, Mike Crockett, and Tyler Baker all standing by on deck. But first, Josh, I want to ask you a question. Have you bought your tickets yet for Black Panther? I have not. I like until a couple days ago, I wasn't aware that it was such a hot commodity. I mean, I'm hoping I can still get some tickets, you know, a few days before the show. But yeah, it, this is this is crazy. I know we're we're gonna jump into this here in a second, but I understand why it's such a big deal, and then I at the same time I don't understand why. Did you get your tickets? What What are your thoughts? What's your thinking here? Well, I'm buying mine this weekend, and I got to buy my fast. And I think everybody out there, if you really want to go to the the opening weekend for Black Panther, you got to get your tickets very soon because it's been reported that Black Panther's sales are exceeding expectations, and in fact, are leading the pack when it comes to pre-order sales for superhero movies. So. 
that is a great sign that Black Panther is truly going to be a hot ticket for at least the first few weeks when it comes out. It's great to see that kind of approval for it. In fact, continuing on Marvel, you know we're going to talk a little later on about Iron Man 3 as far as our continuing thing going on when we break it down, all of the movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But the Marvel Cinematic Universe itself is getting really expanded again this year with three films once again with Black Panther, Infinity War, and Ant-Man and the Wasp, which just debuted a trailer out this week, and you can check that out on our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook site. So I ask you, Josh, three movies this year, backed by three movies last year, if you include Spider-Man Homecoming by Sony, and also Marvel, of course. We've asked this before, but is it for casual audiences a little bit too much Marvel going on? For casual audiences... I actually think that the burnout would happen more with comic book fans and casual audiences because casual audiences, you know, they love this stuff. And that's where, you know, Disney is actually between Marvel and Star Wars. I'm sure Disney is count counting on quite a bit of profit this coming year. Uh, you know, for as for comic book fans, you know, we kind of as the issues come out, like we get it either once a month or every other month. But it could take like it sometimes half a year or a, you know an entire year to tell an entire arc of story in a comic book assuming there's 12 issues but you know as far as the movies go i think that the burnout's going to happen first with comic book fans before anything you know luckily we're going into a uh, the last stretch of the race here for this phase of marvel and that's kind of what's keeping them going the question is after infinity war part 2 or avengers 4 whatever it's going to be called is there going to be that burnout? Is that burnout going to happen? Are ticket sales going to decline? How is that going to look? Well, I'll tell you what, it is to me still very exciting because I do want to see Black Panther. Infinity War has me all jazzed up. And Ant-Man and the Wasp, which I was kind of cool on, looked to me like it's going to be a lot of fun, especially seeing that Hello Kitty Pez dispenser just like blown up to try and be like that killer obstacle that was thrown out there so that that's really uh you know it looks to be something that's going to be a lot of fun like the previous ant-man that's gonna not take it all so seriously but still try to go ahead and entertain audiences but you got captain marvel coming up in 2019 the second part of infinity war coming up also then as well like you said after it's all done with the second Infinity War and the next Marvel phase comes up, that's going to be a telling test indeed as far as if fans are going to still stay with the Marvel product and if they're going to continue to come back in droves or if there's going to be some semblance of a burnout at some point in time. I think for at least another year up until the next Infinity War, I think we're still okay, but I, I, overall, I still think casual audiences are still very excited to see the Marvel product, and I'm hoping for an outstanding year at the movies with Marvel in 2018. What are your thoughts on the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Is there too many Marvel movies going on for your taste? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, also as well. Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanity Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. And like I said, if you get a chance, check out all of our great stuff on Game Source, on Facebook and Twitter, Humanity Media out there as well, and Pop Culture Cosmos. We try to provide you a lot of great entertainment and pop culture news 
updates, info, podcasts, show listings, whole nine yards. You get you get a, your fill and, and then some when you check out all of our great sites indeed. Well, no music for today because we've got a full stack lined up for you as far as guests galore and commentary and analysis galore on everything pop culture. We've got Rob McCallum standing by in the Cosmic Crossfire. Then after that, we've got Mike Crockett from the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. He is standing by to talk the state of the WWE. And then we've got later on the broadcast, Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. He is going to be talking some Super Bowl with his pick and mine as well later on in the broadcast. But Josh and I are also going to be talking again a little bit of Marvel and also some Red Dead Redemption 2 later on in the program as well. We've got a great show lined up for you. We truly thank you for sticking around and listening to our program right here at the PCC Multiverse. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. And we're back with another edition of the Cosmic Crossfire. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We thank you again for sticking around and listening to us here on the show. And he is back once again. He is in charge of everything at robmccallumfilms.com. You got to check out all of his great projects there today. Plus, also as well, his backed or busted crowdfunding site on facebook you just type in backed or busted crowdfunding to get the latest info on whether or not he's going to back or bust some great pop culture crowdfunding ideas it is rob mccallum what's going on my friend well you know just excited to be here and i had tagged you in a post earlier in the week on facebook and i hope you were going to start the show off with crossfire crossfire i was thinking about it but every time i go corny like that you get on my case yeah, I got to watch my step when it comes to you, you know, because you never know. And I, when I go hi or when I go a different voice. It, yeah. It's the intonations and the pitch that really throws me. But if you're doing a parody of a, of a 90s tabletop game like Crossfire, like that's a little James Hetfieldian, I can, I can let it slide. Okay. Crossfire. There you go. There you go. There you go, indeed. So, Rob, I know you've got a lot to talk about when it comes to pop culture, as always. So, pray tell, Rob, what's going on in your world when it comes to pop culture? As always, with the Cosmic Crossfire, I like to bounce it off you to see what you think, really as a sanity check for myself. Am I the only one that thinks these things are skewed or different or is my take on them really that cynical or canadian or metric or whatever you will i don't know i I need somebody to help me figure it all out and you're that guy so the first thing you know i thought we'd pack our bags you know get our passports ready make sure we got the sunscreen get ready for some r&r take a plane ride and then get on a boat and what boat better than the harry potter cruise that oh was just gosh. announced. What do you think? You've been to uh, Hogwarts on, on both coasts, I believe. We talked about this once or twice. You went back recently, and you're still not a fan of butterbeer? I am still not a fan of butterbeer. 
this news broke uh, early last week uh, that Her- there's a Harry Potter cruise line. This, of course, there's lots of different themed cruise lines. Disney cruises, I think, are the ones that people see advertised the most. Do we need these themed cruise lines, Gerald? What Do we want to be surrounded with cabin fever in the middle of the ocean when anything can go wrong and we need someone to help? Are we going to turn to Hagrid or like the cruise version of Hagrid to hopefully cast a spell and make sure everything is safe for us? The whole point is to go to one of these theme parks, enjoy it, and then get away from it for at least eight hours while you sleep. That's why you enjoy it more. Too much of a good thing isn't good. Well, I will have to differ with you on that. Oh, here we go. I am not a big fan of cruises, but I know my family has been inching towards that inevitable date to come at some point down the line. You're so going on the Harry Potter cruise. But either that or the Disney cruise. I probably will fight out for the Disney cruise because I'm not a huge Harry Potter fan, as as you already know. But I will say this, whether it is the Harry Potter cruise or also as well the Disney cruises, I know it's just their way of trying to entice a younger audience. Senior citizens, elders, the elderly, older, older individuals, they already seem to go with these cruises in an abundance. And they just, you know, they've already continued to fill up the lines for princess cruises and, and whatnot. But to get the younger audiences in and obviously more the dollars that come with it, they need to go ahead and try and do things that are outside the box. And Disney cruises have worked for quite a spell now and incorporating, well, it's not just the Disney characters, uh, you know, that are on the boat. It's and just this is my those. question to you. Like what is the, well, well let me just, right? let me just say this. Let me just say this. It also includes the actual interaction with, you know, you know, you send some time as well to go to Disney world. It's a whole Disney thing as far as it's concerned. And I, I, I know with this Harry Potter, incorporating you know that universal aspect is probably a great alert as well i just okay i've been to disney world a couple times i've been to disneyland a couple times so when i think oh a disney cruise it's like a theme park on water it's not you're gonna have people dressed up in characters you might have some elaborate water slides you'll probably get some disney related shows that take place on the boat but that's it and, and that's where this gets let down for me. And if Disney wants to change my mind and send me on a Disney cruise with my family, I'm happy to accept that responsibility and burden. <laughs> I suppose I will try to do it. You can twist my arm and give me free airfare and accommodations and the captain's quarters. I don't mind. I'll, I'll give it a go. But for right now, it just feels like a cruise with a shellac of Disney paint. And I don't know if that's enough to justify the price increase or if it's going to be that much more fun, I can only feel like I'll be let down because I've had that theme park experience, mind you, but I feel like I can only be let down. I think it's going to be okay to do at least at one point in time, but you're right. It doesn't justify 100% why the price hike over a standard cruise, but for me, I'm a theme park guy. I would rather go ahead and when I, if I'm able to and fortunate enough to go to Orlando again, I don't want to go ahead on the cruise. I've already made that clear, but you know, I've already told you I'm probably going to lose that battle and probably end up going on one of these cruises at some point in time. And it's going to take away from what I really want to do. And that is head to the theme parks because when you're in the Florida area or also even in the California area, there's just so much to experience outside of these cruises 
But then again, if if let's say the there's other great cruises that are out there, let's not let's not go ahead and, and lump them all into one thing. Because if you're in Alaska, I think probably one of the first things I would want to do is go on a cruise to experience Alaska and all of its great beauty. Well, you know what? I'm going to cast them all in the same boat. Pun intended. I'm going to put them all in the same tub. It's a nice little water reference. Until some cruise line offers me free accommodations and free airfare and travel and accommodates me for the time off work, I'm casting them all together and I cannot be swayed, sir. I cannot be swayed. You're just trying to work it, I'm telling you. You're trying to work the system. No, that- I just I just want an honest review. Right now I feel a little uninformed, a little ignorant, but I just don't see enough to investigate further. And I'm turned off. Buyer beware. That deal is busted. Uh, I can't back it. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. If you do get a chance, and somebody, uh, you know, does go ahead and and hand over those tickets for you, just make sure you, you know, send the review over to us here at Pop Culture Cosmos. And Pop I tell. Culture Cosmos. I tell you what. I I will do a daily check in. If somebody hands over some some cruise accommodations and makes that easy for me, I'll do daily check ins and report what's going on from the seven seas, and you know, good or bad, it'll get out there. Just saying. Ahoy, matey. Ahoy. If you've got any thoughts uh, that you want to send out to us or topics you want, want us to cover, share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Rob McCallum Films, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. If you get a chance, got to check out Rob McCallum Films on Facebook with all of his great information on Kitty and also other great projects he's got coming down the pike box art, the power of Grayskull, Masters of the Universe documentary. You've got Kitty documentary, like I said. You've got so much more going on. And of course, backed or busted crowdfunding. You got to check out their Facebook site as well and you, you know see the latest stories. I posted one the other day as far as that as an add-on with the Commodore story, and you got to find out what his thoughts are on that as well. So you enjoying those because uh, I think you're noticing that there's been some more pop culture friendly ones, and I think you're uh, dipping your toes a little bit into some of those campaigns since they're in your wheelhouse. Yes, they are, uh, and actually, I am enjoying it. Uh, obviously, from someone who had an Amiga a long time ago, it, the Commodore story does appeal to me, and that's why I actually chose that as the bonus footage for the other day on the Pop Culture Cosmos add-on for downloaders. So if you want to listen to one, we throw one every now and then on as a bonus, so you get to check it out, and you can try a taste of it from there, and, and then you go ahead and you watch the... Back to Buster Crowdfunding on Facebook, you to check out the real thing. All right. Well, until next week, my friend, unless my baby daughter's on her way. Unless indeed. And like I said, I'm all my best to you and the family. And and I said happy and healthy. That's all I'm rooting for. All right. We'll be in touch, I'm sure. Thanks so much. As always, Rob McCallum, as far as from Rob McCallum Films, you got to check out all of his great work today. Rob, it's always a great pleasure having you as part of the Cosmic Crossfire. And of course, right here on Pop Culture Cosmos. The Death Star plans are not in the main computer. Where are those transmissions you intercepted, including those of the Monster Sci-Fi Show podcast? I need my weekly dose of sci-fi news with movie and TV reviews and commentary. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Lipson.com, and Stitcher Radio. The Monster Sci-Fi Show is part of the ESO network. It's sci-fi from a certain point of view. And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Service. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. 
When you get a chance, you got to check out all of our great stuff. Once again, that is Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanic Media, and Game Source. We got a lot of great stuff for you online and social media on Facebook and Twitter. Also, you got to check out our great shows on the Podcast Radio Network, Attack of the Humanicans, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, right there. Our show, the Pop Culture Cosmos Show, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific. And then also as well, we're going to be on Croc Radio. We're going to be on at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on Croc Radio on Mondays and Fridays. The Western Digital Reserve Broadcasting Network has us on Tuesdays and Thursdays, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Good Talk Radio also as well has us for a double shot on Sunday nights from 9 to 11 p.m. Arizona time. And of course, you can always download the Pop Culture Cosmos shows and Humanican Media shows just by typing in those names, Pop Culture Cosmos and Humanican Media on Podbean, the ESO Network, the Tangibound Network, the Gun Geek Network, Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, and so many more outlets out there, player.fm. The list just goes on and on and on. But speaking of Humanica Media, I know the guy right here who knows what's coming up for that great, great experience. So Josh, what is coming up very soon in the world of Humanica Media? Great question. Uh, we just put up a new episode of Topicocalypse last night. and can check that out now. The next episode will be up on Thursday night and actually features Gerald here talking about video game to film adaptations and then there's supposed to be a new episode of what about this coming at you this week assuming they ever send me the synopsis for it and then uh new inside sports actually went up today so you can listen to that and then there's a new super bs episode went up and also a super bs one-off that is basically will let you know all of the video games coming out in February. So if you got some money burning a hole in your pocket, you want something to play on Nintendo Switch or Xbox One or PlayStation, we got the scoop on all the games coming out. And definitely, if for people downloading the show, I'm actually going to go ahead and throw that on the back end as far as the games of February that the Super BS Gamescast has lined up for you. I will be glad to throw that up at the back end for people who are downloading the show. There we go. One-stop shop, man. One-stop shop. One-stop shop indeed, but Josh, my thoughts on the topic Oculus, people got to check that out. But if Rampage does win an Academy Award, I guess I'll have to eat some crow. Hey, let me let me ask you this. I was having a conversation with someone, and we were talking about The Rock, and like we were saying, we don't go to see The Rock for Academy Award movies. We go to see The Rock to laugh, and then, but they took that to the extreme in Baywatch, so like, does The Rock have a range of acting that he needs to stay in, or does he sometimes try to go too far to one side than he should? Well, actually, if anybody out there gets a chance to check it out, it was a movie that unfortunately went under the radar and has been long since forgotten. But Be Cool is a great movie out there that showcases early Rock and what he could do as far as his range of acting. Now, if you're talking about Rock now these days, he seems to stay in line with half serious when you see him in the Fast and Furious movies to obviously that leading man type stuff and and who will crack jokes and all that great stuff in his other vehicles that he goes ahead and stars in. I, I think he's had a, has a great idea exactly what he brings to the table and what people are actually going ahead and and looking for when it comes to a rock movie. I think he has a very, very keen sense of 
to know exactly what's going on with that. And yeah, the rundown is another great movie that, that he was in that got to showcase some of his skills, but I think he's very smart exactly who he's marketing to as far as the movies that he makes and exactly what's going on with him. I don't think rampage is going to be one of his better movies, but still I'm, I'm very, very uh, happy to see most rock movies that he brings out. I had read something about rampage earlier saying that, they're trying to stay as far away from the video game mythos as possible, which is weird. It just makes it sound like this movie's going to be a train wreck. But, hey, we'll see, man. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. He's allowed one every year, at least at the rate he does films. So I will say this, though. There's another entity in the pop culture genre that actually needs to be given a break and that is red dead redemption 2 because i know everybody's excited for it but i know a lot of people are upset right now that it if for the second time rockstar has announced that it will be delayed and it's being delayed almost a year well in fact pretty much a year after its original scheduled time frame it was going to be released in and that it is now coming to store shelves well at least they gave it definitive date october 28th this year in 2018. So I ask you, Josh, they're just doing some polish and some refining was the excuse that that's the reason why it's being delayed for so many months after the initial delay to spring of this year. Do you have an issue with it? Are you still excited to play it? Or does it really matter to you that, you know, it's been now a year beyond what they originally intended to release it? Do you have any issues with that at all? It's it's a typical rock star thing. Cause I mean, they, with uh, red, uh, the first one, they, did the same thing it was delayed like very many like a lot of delays and uh you know the game came out and it was still good but as for like you know my level of interest in it i'm i'm not like super stoked to play there's a lot of things that i would would rather play instead coming out this year and but i will play red dead i do want to play it but it's just not on my uh you know my top 10 uh looking forward to games list but yeah i mean it's I'm still interested in playing it. I'm sure they there's a reason that they're doing this. Well, I'll say this. It is coming out on the same week that last year proved to be very good for Super Mario Odyssey, Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus, and also Assassin's Creed Origins. Everybody remembers they all came out on that same day. And I think, you know, right now it is coming out Red Dead Redemption 2 in that same type of time frame. And it will be one of the, if not the, major game to get during the Black Friday shopping season. So I think that was very smart move by Rockstar in order to maximize their sales. They're going to get a ton of sales whenever they put the game out because it follows in the line of the Grand Theft Auto series and also the previous Red Dead Redemption. So I don't think that's the case as far as them losing a whole bunch of sales by delaying it or putting it into the spring instead of the fall. Their move to late October is just a sign that they have very, very, very great confidence in the game to be the biggest hit of 2018, even if it comes out in late October. So I put it even ahead of the Call of Duty game, whatever game in the series that that will be when it comes out, you know, everybody knows the first week of November. So, right. Uh, And that was the number one game of 2017 was, was Call of Duty World War II. So I, I see Red Dead Redemption 2 surpassing that, actually, and you know, getting the jump on Call of Duty because they're coming out one week before. Yeah, and I, I heard something. Uh, they're working on a new Battlefield, but I think that's not until 2019. But 
Um, and then, but Battlefront 2, we'll, we'll talk about as far as with EA is concerned, that was a major disappointment for them. But yes, the Battlefield will be the next first-person shooter game in the EA lineup. Right. And so right now, all we're really waiting to hear is what does uh, 343 have for us? Because the, there's rumors circling that there might be some sort of Halo game being released around holidays. So we'll we'll have to see. Last year was kind of a a good holiday season for the Switch. So I know Nintendo can't go into the holidays without having something to release. So uh, right now, Red Dead is in a good spot because nothing else has been, like no uh, release dates have been set for anything else yet. So now they're going to kind of see what their competition is. And I do know a lot of people who are super excited about this game. So I have no doubt that it's going to sell a whole lot of copies. And with Zelda and Mario already shot for 2017, it'll be interesting to see what Nintendo can still produce that's going to garner that large market base. In fact, right now, Nintendo probably could pretty much put out anything and it's going to sell a lot. Super Mario Odyssey was released on that weekend and became the, the largest selling game in the Nintendo Switch library. So it's going to be nice to see what they have followed up with, maybe a Super Smash maybe a metroid who knows what what uh, they're actually going to be able to put out that's going to sell that great margins because you can't bring out a new zelda and a new mario that fast at least i don't think so but you never know nintendo but it'll be interesting to see where they all match up but the first move for fall of 2018 has been already marked and it's been done by red dead redemption 2. it is a delay for the game for another six months but hey I think at this point in time, it's going to be quite worth it, and people are going to get themselves one heck of a video game. What are your thoughts on the second delay for Red Dead Redemption 2 being delayed to the last week of October in 2018? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanican Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. When we come back... Our good friend Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Patriot Podcast, he's going to be stopping by with his thoughts on the big game, Super Bowl. You can't say that name, Super Bowl. But he's going to be stopping by with his thoughts on the big game coming up right after the break. This is the PCC Multiverse. Coming off the heels of the internationally acclaimed and award-winning documentary, Missing Mom, Kitty, Origins and Evolutions. Check out this heavy metal biopic that explores the ups and downs of rock and roll for the women in Kitty who blazed a trail in the music industry in the face of unthinkable adversity. Kitty Origins and Evolutions releases this year from Rob McCallum Films. Set your future on fire. we're back you heard the whistle and of course he is back again that's what time it means it is a fantasy football update normally but in this case it's going to be a football game preview with the super bowl coming right well i can't say with the big game (laughs) coming right around the corner because i don't want you know roger goodell slapping a fine on me no 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 (laughs) can't afford that but i'll tell you what he is here from the Fantasy Football Pater podcast. You got to check out his podcast during the course of the football season. It's my good friend, Tyler Baker. What's going on, my friend? Hey, Gerald. It's so good to be with you guys again, man. Love your show. Love being on it. 
Well, you're, you're a welcome part of the team, my friend. And I'll tell you what, it's always great to have you on. We know we, we took kind of like a week off so that you could just gear up and you could get all the info in as you always do when you prepare for fantasy football. But this time to prepare for the big game, the matchup between the New England Patriots and the Philadelphia Eagles. But before we do that, mm-hmm. I know as a Redskins fan that oh, you are. Yeah. I think you want to talk a little bit real quickly about Alex Smith uh-huh. being traded to your team, the <laughs> Washington Redskins, which means that Kirk Cousins is out the door going as a free agent. So I ask you at this point in time, from a Washington Redskins fans perspective, who do you prefer at this point in time as the best foot forward for the franchise, Kirk Cousins hmm. or Alex Smith? That's a very good question, and I mulled over that. I asked myself that same question. Out of the two guys, who would you prefer? Honestly, Alex Smith. I know it sounds outrageous, but I would actually rather have an Alex Smith at the quarterback position for the Washington Redskins. And the main reason is I've watched Kirk Cousins very closely over over the last couple years, and he definitely has been progressing. He's a good quarterback, but he still has points in games where it seems like the gravity of the moment just escapes him or whatever you want to call it. But it seems like sometimes he just kind of loses concentration at very critical moments in games. And that is something as, as a Redskins fan, you can't ignore. But that leads to the big question, and that's who's going to get Kirk Cousins because somebody's going to get him. And if I had to place a bet, I would say you're probably going to see Kirk Cousins in a Denver Broncos uniform next year because that's a team that has excellent receivers. They have an excellent defense. They could use a little help in the running game, but it's really at the quarterback position, which has been hamstringing that team. Kirk Cousins has said that he wants to win. So I think if it comes down to a couple million, (laughs) just a couple million, right? (laughs) A couple million or playing with a team that is ready and built to win now, I think it's definitely the Denver Broncos. Well, that's definitely where the rumors have had him pointing the past couple of days. So definitely that would be a great acquisition for the Denver Broncos. And as we've always talked about Alex Smith, he is always the safe and steady option in regards to his passing game. And for at least the short term, it seems to be a wise investment for the Washington Redskins. Well, again, we've got Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater podcast right here with us. It's going to be a great weekend this weekend in the NFL, because the big game, Super Bowl, is actually coming right around the corner with New England and also Philadelphia. Yeah. So I ask you, what key points are you looking at in regards to the Super Bowl this Sunday? Well, there's a definite underdog here. You have a Philadelphia team who is going into the Super Bowl with a different quarterback that got them to the Super Bowl. And you also have to weigh in the experience. There are a lot of New England Patriots players that have been to this game, have played under this type of pressure. And there's just, I think there's a total of six or seven Super Bowl games of experience in the entire Philadelphia team. And (laughs) New England's been there. They've been there a lot. So they know how to prepare for this type of game. But these are two really good teams. I did read today that there's kind of an illness going around the Eagles locker room. Several players, including Doug Peterson, are sick. 
but they're describing it as a cold. It could be the flu. I don't know. It could be a conspiracy. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but this, in my opinion, it is a David versus Goliath. Not, not to say that the, that the Patriots are so much better than the Eagles are, but there's a very large amount of pressure that comes. You, you have two weeks off, two weeks to prepare. You have the media all over you, and it's what you work your entire career for. There's a lot of pressure. The New England Patriots have been here. They understand how to deal with that pressure, and we'll see if Philadelphia can figure it out. Although with very good wideouts, a nice trio of running backs to lean on, mm-hmm. and Nick Foles playing almost at the level he was when he was throwing 27 touchdowns against two interceptions that one magical year he had it could be a very very good game for philadelphia i might actually be picking them here in a sec but well while i contemplate that your final prediction on who is going to win this weekend's big game aka the super bowl (laughs) um if i was doing the point spread new england's favored by four I would assume it's probably going to be a little bit bigger than that. I I, I think New England uh, is is going to take it, and, and and I think it's going to be more than four points. But you do raise a very good point in that there are a lot of ways that Philadelphia can attack you, and especially with that three headed monster uh, in the backfield. So, but that tells me that it's going to come down to coaching. And if you're asking me who can out coach who, Belichick or Peterson, I'm going to have to go Belichick. Well, I will say this, that it was actually a larger differential in points. I think at at one time there were as many as a nine-point underdog, if I remember correctly, when it came out. But lo and behold, a lot of money has uh, swayed, including a couple million dollars here and there on Mm -hmm. the Philadelphia Eagles, bringing it down that low. I expect it to rise about five or six myself before kickoff. In the long run, I'm picking an upset in this occasion. Oh, really? I think they are a little bit more talented than the Atlanta team that showed up last year. And we all know what the Atlanta team did in that first half and actually should have won that game by all intents and purposes. Mm -hmm. I think that the Philadelphia Eagles, with the solid defense that they have, plus also as well the wideouts that they have and the offensive array and talent that they have overall – I think they're going to pull this one out. I think it's going to be close. Tom Brady will still provide some magic, but I think at this point in time, I think it will be a uh, about a 35 to 31 win for Philadelphia in this okay. year's Super Bowl. Although I won't be surprised if Tom Brady pulls out again, of course, because nothing that he does at this point surprises me at all in the least. Sure. And, and you don't know how the game flow is going to go up into the fourth quarter, but if it's close in the fourth quarter, I'll take Brady. Uh, you know, anybody who who's seen Tom Brady over the years has got to admit that, yeah, if it's if it's late in the game and mm-hmm. he's got any point of chance in time to do do something magical, he will usually nine times out of ten will do it, except for against the New York Giants. But we won't go there. <laughs> I will say this though: I was reading earlier that uh, Philadelphia has been really good in first quarter of games. And New England hasn't, at least in what they've done in Super Bowls. And if if Philadelphia can come out and if and if they can trust Nick Foles to sling it, because he's been looking pretty good. And then pressure, pressure, pressure on Tom Brady. I could definitely see a scenario where Philadelphia wins this game. 
I think it's going to come down to Philadelphia getting out to a fast start and taking risks and putting pressure on Brady because you might give up a long one to Brandon Cooks putting pressure on Brady, but if you can get to him and if you can get in his head and bang him around a little bit, then the path to beating the New England Patriots becomes a lot easier. But we'll see. I think it's going to be a great game. As do I. I think it's going to be a great game as well. Again, my friend, it is just so great to have you on as always. It is Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Patriot Podcast. During the football season and even before in your preparations mm -hmm. for fantasy football, mm -hmm. you got to check out his great podcast each and every week as he updates you the latest in the fantasy football scene. Tyler, as always, my friend, it's great having you a part of the PCC Multiverse. Hi, this is Josh from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. And I'll tell you what, it is always great to have him here. He is the man, the myth, the legend amongst all legends with the wrestling podcast about nothing. You got to check it out every Tuesday night, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. It's on the BDA Network, Apple Podcasts, and so many other great outlets. It is the Terry Funk of professional wrestling referees because he just does not know when he wants to quit because when he retires, he always comes back. It's Mike Crockett. What's going on, man? Yes, thank you, Gerald. Always great to be here. And yes, once again, my extended hiatus uh, took a hiatus and I got back in the ring, but it's back on again. Never again, Gerald. Never again. Uh -huh. Maybe. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, when was Terry Funk's first retirement? Like '88 or '89 or something like that. I don't know. You still throw him a payday, and he'll still show up at a convention and go ahead and get in the ring for uh, for a few minutes. But be that as it may, there's some great professional wrestling talk to go about. We just got out of the WWE's Royal Rumble, which always makes headlines at this point in time of the year. And there's some things I want to break down with him. Let us focus first on the WWE Royal Rumble. Mike, I want to ask you, at this point in time, it's it's always pivotal going into the WrestleMania season. And actually, you know, the Royal Rumble kicks it off. I want to get your thoughts on the WWE's Royal Rumble. And do you think the WWE right now, as it stands, is at a healthy point with its company? I know there's some additions that you and I both want to talk about while we're, we're discussing that, but the overall health of the company as it leads into this year's WrestleMania. Uh, I think they're in a pretty good place. Royal Rumble, as you mentioned, is the kind of the kickoff to the WrestleMania season. And that's always a very healthy time in the company and in professional wrestling as a whole, because as you know, Gerald's WrestleMania week, there's, I mean, the entire wrestling world converges in that one area. And this year it's uh, uh, New Orleans and, you got all these independent shows. You get all these other shows. It really kind of boosts the entire pro wrestling economy, if you will, that whole WrestleMania weekend. But leading into WrestleMania, uh, the Royal Rumble was a very good show. As you mentioned, some very newsworthy items coming out of that. I think, yeah, WWE is in a pretty good place right now. And the only reason I say that is because sometimes I've, and I've spoken to you about this before, because the roster itself, 
you know, they have the advantage of being the premier wrestling organization right now on the planet, which, you know, has been for the most part for the past 30, 40 plus years. But at this point in time, I just, I, I want to see wrestlers that have been promoted as something that people can really get behind. And I'm not sure a lot fall into that category. Obviously, the signing of Ronda Rousey to a full-time WWE contract once she finishes up with her film uh, obligations definitely is a great sign and is something that could actually be a huge benefit for the WWE. But when it comes to the male side of the equation, and I don't want to romanticize about the WWE attitude area, but even in the past 15 years, I uh, have not seen anybody that that right now we have to go ahead and see. Maybe there's some that are close. Do you get that sense, or you know, do you see just a lot of great wrestlers, but nothing that that gets you over the top to to be a must see and a must watch when it comes to WWE? Well, you know that I mean they're a hundred and fifty thousand percent behind Roman Reigns to be that next guy. Of course, John Cena took them through the past fifteen years, and they're looking for Roman Reigns to be that guy. The fans not quite as on board with that. Um, <laughs> to to say it lightly, um, yeah, it's pretty pretty dismal. The um, fan reaction to Roman Reigns at points. I mean, there is a reaction. It's just not the reaction they're looking for. They're getting a very negative reaction to the guy. But uh, there is, I, I kind of see what you're saying. There's, you think back to the, like you said, the Attitude Era, and even before that, there's superstars, those larger-than-life characters. There's definitely a lot fewer of those these days. Roman Reigns uh, is who they're hitching their wagon to. Uh, you, you got guys like uh, Nakamura who won the male Royal Rumble. I, I've been behind that guy since uh, for a long time now. He's, uh, he's a great talent. He's very different. He's, uh, he, I mean, obviously, the, the promos, which is a big part, the interviews, which is a huge part of professional wrestling, he's not quite up to snuff because you know, English isn't his first language. But just the, the charisma that exudes from uh, Shinsuke Nakamura is something that you have to see to believe. It's really off the charts. Well, I have seen him for years in New Japan, and obviously coming here when he he just burst onto the scene at NXT and did such an outstanding uh, job of of creating that persona in NXT, but he came into the WWE with, I don't know, I guess it almost fell a little bit flat, uh, but you know he did get some momentum, but it, it was kind of troubling to see him when he uh, was fighting for the title earlier uh, in 2017, and it just didn't seem to have that same starch that he once did, and that same type of je ne sais quoi. So now that you put him into the main event against AJ Styles, okay, the co-main event, I want to see more. I, I know they had a chance to go ahead and recreate with Matt Hardy, but I, you know, you and I both know since it's not a gimmick that was created in-house, they never seem to get fully behind it. So at this point in time, the Matt Hardy Woken character, it looks like it's just going to be something that's going to remain and be relegated to the mid card. It's it's hard to find maybe that that one special individual out there that can carry the company to new heights and gain interest uh, as far as it's concerned. Braun Strowman is someone that they're trying to push very strongly that that may be able to do it. But at this point in time, it's just hard for long 
short-term fans such as myself to really get behind that one wrestler that that also the WWE also wants to get behind itself? Well, maybe you're looking at the wrong side of the ledger. I mean, you mentioned Ronda Rousey, and they are pushing the women's division equal to the men, which is, you know, rightfully so. And the fact that they have this woman who sold millions of buys on and pay-per-views for UFC, they're bringing her into WWE. That is, and that's a huge thing. It's got a lot of publicity all over the place. ESPN reported it first, like right after it happened at the Rumble, and it's maybe we're looking in the wrong place. It's so it's been so male centric for so many years, the WWE, maybe I mean, this women's revolution, I know it's kind of like a cliched term that they've just kind of a buzzword. They've kind of thrown out there, but maybe Ronda Rousey, maybe we're looking, we're too male centric. Well, maybe we should look towards someone like Ronda Rousey to bring back what we, what we're looking for here. This, this superstar quality that we're seeing to be lacking. And actually, I can't agree with you more on that because you look at the talent on that side of the ledger, as you said, and that is is really stacked probably at the biggest peak point since maybe the late 90s, early 2000 era when you, you know, because you have right now Asuka that seems to be the most dominant force in the WWE, Charlotte Flair, who many including myself, considered to be one of the top wrestlers on the planet at this point in time, Sasha Banks, Bailey, and so many other individuals out there. You know, I know people had questioned at first the legitimacy of a women's battle royal if they were going to fill out the roster with 30 qualified individuals. And not only did they do so, but they did so in spades and provided a a very, very strong battle royal as far as from that that point is concerned. So, yes, absolutely. I I think that is an excellent idea. Let's see them go ahead and try and promote that side of the coin and let's see if they can go ahead and and gain that kind of foothold again with the casual audiences out there and even the long-term hardcore fans that they once had a while back. With the 50-50 booking, it just seems sort of like almost like in a malaise at many points in time. So that's an excellent suggestion because – there are some dominant ladies on that side of the coin and actually some even coming up still in NXT that have yet to debut on WWE television as well. Like you said, I mean, the hardcores might have a little tough time, uh, especially with Ronda Rousey. And you see even on Twitter, they have um, like Sasha Banks has, Nia Jax has uh, made some snide comments about Ronda Rousey kind of getting publicity over the fact that there was the first ever women's Royal Rumble, and it main evented the Royal Rumble event. I, I mean, I'm not so sure that, that that wasn't just something to draw a little interest. I'm not sure that it wasn't something that was, you know, the company was behind to, you know, create a little drama there with Ronda Rousey. I'm not quite sure which way they're going to go with her. The tweets are probably basically just echoing what hardcore fans are thinking that, you know, they had this women's Royal Rumble and Ronda Rousey kind of stole the thunder. And I think that's kind of the storyline that's going to play forward. And I'm not sure Ronda Rousey will be cheered as she was for the uh, Rumble show going forward, uh, you know, when she shows up, I'm not quite sure a full-time schedule means uh, all the house shows. I think it might be just be the, the TV shows going forward when she gets back from filming her movie, but I don't think she's doing the house show circuit. I don't think you're going to see her in, uh, yeah. you know, in Tulsa, Oklahoma next week. Well, I, I do, will say that I think they're being smart if they stick to the plan that's been reported by Dave Meltzer and PW Insider and others that, 
right now as it stands that the proposed event involving Ronda Rousey will be something along the lines of a mixed tag match if they can get The Rock or another major superstar involved against Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. That would put her in a good spot and a good highlighted spot would draw interest, but yet would not have to tax her into having a match against a top women's WWE superstar until she's ready, maybe at a later point in time, like let's say SummerSlam. So uh, I'm hoping that will, will continue to take place because it does bring a lot more eyes to the WWE spotlight. So if that's the case, it's just better for the product in and of itself. But on the men's side going forward, I'd like to see you know a, a little bit more dominance by you know a select few as opposed to this 50-50 booking they've been constantly doing. And if, if you tell me that the WWE's product is very strong, then you know what? I'm going to take your word for it and, and say that it is a very strong because you and I both know when at its height of its glory, the WWE provided storylines and characters that made you continuously want to watch week in and week out. And do you really have that today at this point in time? Not quite, not quite. But they are actually, you know, going into WrestleMania, this is the season where they're most motivated because, you know, they want you to pick up the WWE network in time for the big event in time for WrestleMania. So this is the time of year where they amp everything up to a hundred and they're going to full bore. So if you're looking for uh, WWE, this is the best time of the year to get hooked. Yeah, absolutely. Because they are putting their best foot forward and obviously they're going to be able to go ahead and get those storylines going on. Most of them, uh, you, you and I both know, are already drawn up. They're already planned out and barring injury, they're going to be playing itself out over the next few weeks on Raw, SmackDown, and the upcoming pay-per-view show in February. So I'm hopeful for the WWE to, to not only remain strong, but actually get even stronger as the months go forward with the acquisition of Ronda Rousey, the, the acquisition of noted independent wrestlers that are now going to be coming into the NXT and the WWE over the next few months. And I know a lot of people are excited about that. So the future is still looking bright for the WWE. I just, as a longtime fan, I just want to be able to make sure that when I invest in the WWE product, that I'm going to be able to get something that that will actually be able to keep consistent as far as it's concerned over a 52 week period, like it once was. So I think right now they're they're at least going up on the way up, at least on the women's side. That's for sure. I want to ask you one last thing before you head on out. Why do people need to go out of their way as wrestling fans to check out your show, The Wrestling Podcast, about nothing? Well, because we have ROH superstar, the Kingpin Brian Malonis, of course. Of course, of <laughs> course, indeed. And the Terry Funk of professional wrestling referees himself, Mike Crockett. Yes. And no, uh, myself and Brian uh, talk about current professional wrestling. We talk about old school professional wrestling. Just over the holidays, we actually had Warbeard Hanson on right before he signed with NXT. So you can go and check that out. If really, if you want to go back really early on in our run, we did a, a two-part episode talking to Warbeard Hanson. If you want to hear a story about a guy that went through some stuff to get to WWE, go back and listen to our two-part interview. I think it's episode like eight and nine of the wrestling podcast about nothing. It's in our archives. You can find it uh, at uh, wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be there. And 
that story is just, I mean, it's amazing. You really want to go back and listen to that. And so we do some great interviews. We do some great talk. We have some great guests on. And it's something you really just, like you said, you got to go out of your way to check out the wrestling podcast about nothing and just hear me and Brian, uh, you know, dig on each other for an hour a week. You can't go wrong there, right, Gerald? No, you can't go wrong. I've, like I said, I've heard many episodes. They are a great pair indeed to, because you know, not only you guys are friends, but also as well the 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 type of rapport you have on your podcast is truly makes it one of the the best professional wrestling podcasts or podcasts regardless on the internet today or basically wherever you can get your podcasts that are out there. You cannot miss this show each and every week that's the wrestling podcast about nothing with mike crockett and of course the kingpin brian malonis mike as always it's been a great pleasure having you on the show and as always mike you are the man when it comes to pro wrestling and i'm just so grateful to have you on once again thanks a lot gerald just want to say really quickly we have a website if you want uh, the big hub for everything wrestling podcast about nothing, it is the WPAN.com. T-H-G-W-P-A-N.com. That is the hub. You can find uh, where we are. You can subscribe to us and all our various outlets. And it's all right there in one place, the WPAN.com. Thank you very much, Gerald. I still want to see you holding up the Ring of Honor World Championship for Kingpin Brian Malonis one day. And you're going to put it right on that side, I hope, correct? You're going to be waiting a long time to see that show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Once again, it is Mike Crockett from the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. You got to check out all of his great episodes today on the Podcast Radio Network, BDA Radio, and of course, Apple Podcasts and so many others. Mike, thanks so much again, as always, for being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture, Cosmos, and Game Source. Thanks again for sticking with us. And we want to thank, again, Rob McCallum for stopping by in the Cosmic Crossfire. Mike Crockett from the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Also as well, Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Patriot Podcast sharing his thoughts. We want to close out our show again with our continuing series as we break down the Marvel Cinematic Universe up into the Black Panther, Infinity War, and Ant-Man and the Wasp movies coming out this year like we talked about in the beginning. This week it is Iron Man 3. For me, the most interesting aspect of Iron Man 3 was not the the Mandarin and that part, although I'll tell you what, Ben Kingsley was great in his performance, which shows that, yeah, he does go ahead and do a lot of cash grabs, but when he's given the chance, he can still act like, like very few others. But for me, I thought the best part of it was Robert Downey Jr., who, in, in my opinion, gave his best performance with the PTSD that he was suffering through from the Battle of New York in the Avengers movies. Your thoughts on Iron Man 3, and 
Is it still something that you feel is a great movie or even a great performance by Robert Downey Jr.? I have a love-hate relationship with the movie. When I first went to see it, I was really excited because I'd heard about the uh, the Mandarin and the Ten Rings. So I was expecting like the mystical bad guy. And I thought that the trailers were just being coy, not giving us a glimpse of what was actually going to happen in the movie. So I was like, that's a very smart uh, marketing campaign. That, you know, with a director like Shane Black, like I was really excited to see what he had in store for Iron Man. And uh, especially the this was the first post-Avengers um, movie. So that was also exciting. And that had that going for it. Did you ever see the movie Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? No, I have not. It, I, I would definitely recommend checking it out. But that was Shane Black's first run with Robert Downey Jr. So that was when that was the movie that kind of revitalized Robert Downey Jr.'s career. I can see a lot of that movie in Iron Man three. And after watching the, the Iron Man three a few times, I had a, a better appreciation for it. It appealed to a uh, a wider audience outside of the superhero genre. So like I could sit down with my dad and I could say, Hey, let's watch this. And it feels more like a buddy movie than it does a superhero movie, but it also has the elements of a superhero movie. What are your thoughts on Iron Man three? Do you still think it plays an important part in the Marvel cinematic universe? Do you believe that it is like I do Robert Downey Jr.'s best performance of the entire Marvel cinematic universe? Share us your thoughts. Pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening, and here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at ESONetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Super. Super. Hey, Jank here, otherwise known as Josh Peterson from the Super BS Games cast. I'm coming at you with a little thing I like to call Super BS Futures. And this is where I'm going to tell you all of the good games coming out in February so you know what you can spend your money on and, uh, you know, what we probably won't be spending our money on. So I'm going to just I'm just going to go down the list here. So we all know that the first couple of months coming off of the holidays are slow for gaming. This isn't necessarily a bad thing because it gives us time to chip away at that back catalog or play whatever games we might have collected during the holidays. You know, whatever you got for Christmas or you're going to give to your nephew or something, but you didn't because you kept it. But for anybody looking for something new to play, it can be a very difficult time. Sometimes developers surprise us with open world games like Horizon Zero Dawn, and sometimes they disappoint us with games like Halo Wars 2. Then again, sometimes we don't get surprised or disappointed. We get nothing. Is February 2018 one of those months? I'm gonna let you decide. Alright, so first on this list, coming out February 1st, we got Her Majesty's Spiffing. 
I might not have said that right. Anyways, Her Majesty's Spiffing is already available on the Xbox One, PlayStation 4, Steam, and mobile platforms, and it takes place shortly after the United Kingdom's withdrawal from the European Union. Unhappy with the political turmoil she's seeing, the Queen invokes the royal prerogative to get rid of Parliament and take control of the country in an attempt to make Britain great again. Doesn't that sound familiar? Seeing the difficulty in reconquering the, that lost portion of planet Earth, the Queen creates an organization called SPIFFING, which stands for Special Planetary Investigative Force for Inhabiting New Galaxies. She intends to establish a galactic British Empire and launches colonists into space on a modified version of Big Ben. This point-and-click adventure was developed by Billy Goat Entertainment and received a mixture of reviews from Metacritic in the 60-75% to 75% range. The game is going to be released on Nintendo Switch on February 1st. Second on the list here, we have everybody's favorite fighting franchise, and no, I don't mean Streets of Rage, uh, EA Sports UFC 3. What can be said about a UFC game that hasn't been said before? You either like it or you don't. This time around, EA has incorporated a career story mode, much like they did in last year's Madden entry. Looks like Conor McGregor dodged that old EA cover curse by being retired. On a side note, you can unlock Bruce Lee. Is this enough to get any of us at the Super BS Gamescast interested? No. Uh, EA uh, Sports UFC 3 will be released on February 2nd for the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Alright, so this next one on the list, it's, it's got me a little bit curious. So this game is called Pass Cure. Uh, once upon a time, any type of storytelling media, whether film, television, or video game that featured intense dream sequences and gunfights was automatically compared to The Matrix. I'm going to bring that comparison back and say that this game looks like a revamped version of The Matrix. There's very little known about the story at this point except that you're out to exact revenge on people who experimented on you. Using stealth, fists, guns, and psychic abilities, you fight, sneak, and build your way through this action game to discover why you're imprisoned and who put you there. This game is going to be released on the PlayStation 4 on February 2nd. Shadow of the Colossus. I would be lying if I said I wasn't excited about this one. Taking significantly less time with this PlayStation remake than The Last Guardian, Sony is hoping that players will want to recapture the nostalgia that made Shadow of the Colossus such a great game. For those of you who haven't experienced this game in its original form, Shadow of the Colossus focuses on a young man named Wanderer who ends up in a forbidden land and has to defeat 16 massive beings in order to save a girl named Mono. This game is going to be released on the PlayStation 4 on February 6th. Marooners. There isn't a lot to say about this game except that it's a four-player puzzle game, much like the Fusion Frenzy games on the Xbox and Xbox 360, which were actually pretty amazing. Is it worth playing over some of the other great puzzle games out there? You know, we'll let you decide. This game is going to be released on the Xbox One on February 6th. Little Triangle is a platforming game that lets you team up with friends to play through chaotic levels while fighting bosses and listening to countless NPCs. It's being compared to Cuphead, but as a game that made our top 5 games of 2017 list, that's a high standard to set. This game comes out on the Xbox One on February 7th. Disc Jam It's been compared to Rocket League in several reviews and features many ways to play, including 1v1 and 2v2 matches. This mixture of air hockey and tennis was first released on the PlayStation 4 and PC last year, garnering a little over 70% from Metacritic. Now that it's making a jump onto the Nintendo Switch, will it bolster sales, or will Switch owners just hold out for the inevitable release of Rocket League? I guess time will tell. This game will hit the Nintendo Switch on February 8th. The Seven Deadly Sins, Knights of Britannia. Since there clearly aren't enough video games based on popular anime series, The Seven Deadly Sins, Knights of Britannia boasts plenty of over-the-top action, busty women, and convoluted storylines. In this game, you assemble The Seven Deadly Sins to fight and save the Kingdom of Lioness. This game will be released on the PlayStation 4 on February 9th. 
under night in birth late bracket st i won't even attempt to try to spell that again if you're looking for an anime brawler that looks like the arcade games of yesteryear this might be a game for you a sequel to another game that's difficult to spell and pronounce this game takes place in japan after a phenomenon called the hollow night enveloped regions of the country there's more to this one but i don't quite understand it Feel free to check out the Wikipedia page, which you can find the link to in the actual article on humanicmedia.com slash blog. This game comes out on the PlayStation 4 on February 9th. Faye, this is one of those games that looks like it has something fresh and unique to offer. Faye is an action-adventure game where you control a fox-wolf creature in a forest that's being attacked by beings known as the Silent Ones. It's your job to run around and sing to the forest, bringing it back to life and defeating those who would stop you. The trailer from GamesCon features gameplay that looks to build off the animation style of Ori in the Blind Forest. And good news, you can play it on your Nintendo Switch. This game comes out on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and Windows on February 9th. Bleed 2 is an action game platformer, sort of, that features side-scrolling action and retro music. A sequel to Bleed, the game puts you in control of a girl named Wern, who has striking resemblance to a Scott Pilgrim character. The first game came out to fairly positive reviews, and while I'll admit I have no intention of playing this game, it does look interesting. It comes out on Xbox One on February 9th. Dragon Quest Builders. If you're a fan of the Dragon Quest franchise and Minecraft, you're in for a treat. Our very own Dr. Don has been speaking high praise about this game. Check out episode 35 of the Super BS Gamescast for a full rundown on the game's story. It comes out on Nintendo Switch on February 9th. Kingdom Come Deliverance. There aren't a lot of medieval role-playing games out these days that have a slightly historical and non-magical storyline. Developed by Warhorse Studios, this game takes place in the Kingdom of Bohemia, where the old king has died and his heir lacks the power to take the throne. You play as a blacksmith whose family has been killed. You take up your sword and go after the king's brother, who kidnapped the king and pillaged his way across the land. This game comes out on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One on February 13th. Crossing Souls. This is another top-down retro game that hits the PlayStation 4 on February 13th. Dynasty Warriors 9. Anybody familiar with video games in the past 20 years is familiar with this franchise. Not a lot of story when it comes to Dynasty Warrior games, but they are a lot of fun. For those of you who are unfamiliar with this franchise, the Dynasty Warrior games involve hacking and slashing your way through enemy hordes. Unlike its predecessors, Dynasty Warriors 9 offers an open-world environment and a fully traversable map of China. It's also rumored that each of the characters will have their own stories with separate endings. This game comes out on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One on February 13th. Monster Energy Supercross, the official video game. We need more dirt bike games based on energy drink companies, said very few people ever. The sad thing is, Monster has been draining cash from the wall to gamers long before they started making video games. I can personally remember many long nights drinking Monster and playing Halo. The game itself looks great, but chances are what you see in the trailer is all you're going to get. This game comes out on the Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and Nintendo Switch on February 13th. Owlboy. This is another game that some of us at the Super BS Gamescast had expressed some interest in playing. Owlboy is developed by D-Pad Studio and has been in development since 2007. It was first shown off at PAX 2013 and takes place in the land of the sky, where the islands below have been separated by a catastrophic event. He plays an owl-human hybrid named Otis who is trying to save his village from a band of pirates. This game comes out on the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch on February 13th. The Longest 5 Minutes Finally, a game about somebody who has amnesia. I didn't think we'd ever get one of those. Nah, but in all seriousness, this game does remind me of the role-playing games of previous generation consoles. What we know about the story is that you're collecting memories, exploring dungeons, and fighting bosses. 
We're assuming that it's not actually five minutes long, but it comes out on the Nintendo Switch and PlayStation Vita on February 13th. Radiant Historia Perfect Chronology. Our very own Dr. Donna speaks very highly of this series that sees you playing as characters who can navigate timelines to stop wars between nations. Every choice you make affects the outcome of the game. Uh, it hits Nintendo 3DS on February 13th. The story goes on. Top-down gaming never looks so... Top-down gaming. The story goes on as a roguelike hack-and-slash game that takes you on an adventure through a mysterious maze known as the Odyssey. Comes out on Xbox One on February 14th. The Secret of Mana. You asked for it and Square delivered. Originally released in Japan as Saiken Denetsu 2, this remake of the 1993 role-playing adventure takes place in a fantasy world where Mana is nearly exhausted due to endless wars between the factions of Man. He plays three main characters seeking Mana seeds to restore Mana to the world. Genre fans beware, if you're expecting this to be like a Final Fantasy game, you're in for a rude awakening. It comes out on the PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch on February 15th. Bayonetta and Bayonetta 2. Nintendo sometimes listens to what their fans are saying. Nintendo Switch versions of Bayonetta and Bayonetta 2 were announced last year alongside the release of a trailer for Bayonetta 3. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the franchise, Bayonetta is about a witch who awakens after a 500 years sleep and tries to get her memories back while maintaining the balance between good and evil. If you're a fan of Devil May Cry, you'll probably enjoy this game. It comes out on the Nintendo Switch on February 16th. Metal Gear Survive. The beta for Metal Gear Survive is already playable and people aren't liking it as much as they hoped they would. On top of needing an internet connection to play the game, critics and bloggers are saying that the gameplay is glitchy and friendly AI aren't exactly easy to play alongside. Whether it's because the game encourages co-op play or if Kojima's absence has put the franchise into a downward spiral, only time will tell. Sometimes franchises put out bad games. It happens. Metal Gear Survive takes place shortly after the events of the last game. The soldiers left behind in the aftermath of the evacuation from the mother base are transported to an alternate world where they're besieged by creatures. It's your job to fight these creatures and gather resources in hopes of getting home. This game comes out on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One on February 20th. The station is a first-person mystery set on a space station sent into space to study a sentient alien civilization. Assuming the role of a recon specialist, players must unravel a mystery which will decide the fate of two civilizations. This game will be released on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One on February 20th. Pac-Man Championship Edition 2. If you change the color schemes, add new music, and throw in some puzzle modes, will it make Pac-Man fun for a new generation? Probably not, but I'm sure there are plenty of nostalgia gamers who are anxious to get their hands on the latest addition to the never-ending Pac-Man saga. This game comes out on Nintendo Switch on February 22nd. Sword Art Online Fatal Bullet Oh look, another anime-based video game. This game comes out on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One on February 23rd. We already mentioned Pass Cure on this list. Uh, it hits fe uh, the Xbox One on February 23rd, so if you want to play it, on the Xbox One, it'll hit later in the month. But if you want to play it on the PlayStation 4, it'll hit earlier in the month. So it's up to you. This is a game that I'm actually kind of excited to play. Immortal Redneck. This is a thing. Yeah, it's an actual thing. A redneck who wakes up in ancient Egypt and goes to war with the deadly forces of the underworld. Sadly, this actually looks fun to me. Assuming the voiceovers don't drive me crazy before I can finish it, I might pick up a copy. Uh, it comes out on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One on February 27th. Gravel. Remember when Gran Turismo used to be fun and you could do things like drive rally cars on different tracks around the world? Neither do most people. So if you're a racing game enthusiast looking to do a little virtual off-roading, 
Gravel is a game for you. Start a career and play through disciplines of your choice while competing for the title of best rally racer in the world, for whatever that's worth. This game hits the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One on February 27th. Shiny. Not to be confused with that annoying song from Moana, there seems to be a growing fondness of indie games with sad stories. We at the Super BS Gamescast are huge fans of Ori and the Blind Forest. In Shiny, you play as a robot named Kramer227 who has a short supply of energy, and for him, energy is life. The question here is, how are you going to spend it? This game comes out on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One on February 27th. De Blob 2. This is an old game getting a new chance at life on modern consoles. If you're a fan of Minions and Rabbids, this could be a game for you. It comes out on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One on February 27th. Riftstar Raiders. This top-down flight game lets you customize your ship and your stats to create the ultimate space weapon. It comes out on the Xbox One on February 27th. Last on the list, we got Payday 2. While its original run on consoles wasn't exactly extraordinary, there were a lot of good vibes from people when Nintendo announced that Payday 2 was coming to Switch. Perhaps the franchise will see new life on a new platform. At this point, having more remakes on the Switch is only a good thing. It hits the Nintendo Switch on February 27th. Remember, we have trailers for all these games. Um, if you go on humanicanmedia.com blog, where our Super BS site is currently residing, you can check out all the uh, all the videos and read the uh, little synopsises we put up for them. Uh, and please, uh, you know, if you're a fan of this, please subscribe to the Super BS Gamescast. We drop new episodes every uh, every week, and uh, you can find us on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, Stitcher, and all those great uh, podcasting websites. Uh, thanks for uh, tuning in. I'll see you next time. football fans it is that time it is time for another edition of nfl football talk this is the final show before the big game super bowl 52 i'm your host charles e smith jr this is an inside sports production presented by humanica media and hey we're going to break down the latest nfl news and finally without any further ado you're going to get our picks for the Super Bowl, let's get right into it. As you know, I do not work alone here. I do enlist the help of only the very, very best. So here he is, the man many of you already follow on Twitter, and if not, you definitely should be. It will enhance your life immensely. Follow him on Twitter at Chris L Sports. That's at C H R I S, the letter L, and then Sports. A proud graduate of Rutgers University and. My favorite East Coast intellectual, here he is, the main man from somewhere in an undisclosed location in beautiful Southern California, Chris Larieri. Chris, what's happening out there, man? Charles, thanks as always for the introduction. If my Twitter account enhances your life, I feel bad for you. <laughs> hey, you, you wouldn't be how, believe how bad some people's lives are. See, that's what I'm saying, man. Oh, no, I get that. Yeah, but I mean, if you have the free time to read my Twitter and improves your life, I, you know, I guess you really, you'll, maybe your life isn't that bad, but uh, you know, don't, uh, don't expect any magic elixir from yours truly. I have to come forward with that disclosure. <laughs> there we go. Okay, and we won't get your take on the uh, State of the Union address tonight. I know you were fully engrossed in that, uh, really deep into it. Oh, oh, thrilled. Yeah, actually, uh, I didn't watch it. I'm more thrilled about Roger Goodell's State of the Union address where uh, 
he supposedly is going to revamp the catch rule. So much as I like to make him my favorite NFL whipping boy, uh, at least they're addressing one NFL this year. So uh, got him and uh, I know you're a huge Trey Wingo fan like me at ESPN, but uh, I got to give him credit instead of just lobbying softball questions this morning on the radio, like his partner, Mike Golick, he uh, brought up one of our favorite topics this year. The Sterling Shepard catches a touchdown pass, goes out of bounds and, so at least he's got that on Rogers' radar. Yeah, that's true. And you know, I just okay. We, didn't they just revamp the catch? Was that this past off season or the off season before? Got a symposium, and they were going to decide what is a catch and what isn't. They went through that, and now they've gotten back to the point where you go through a whole season, and now we need to redefine our redefinition of redefining a catch. Is that where we are now with uh, Goodell and his homies? Yeah, since they've uh, improved the replay system immensely and gone to New York to kind of uh, streamline the whole process and in the process making it longer, I guess they'll take that same organizational approach to the catch. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so, hey, NFL news, everybody. Now, as you know, the Chiefs, they had an exit, early exit in the playoffs this year. So, of course, when that happens, you have to make some major changes. So you fire the – no, they didn't do that. Ah, that's right. They got rid of their starting quarterback. Alex Smith goes to Washington and reportedly has a new four-year deal there in Washington, which means Kirk Cousins' days are numbered. Uh, what do you think there, Chris? What's your take on all that? Now, what's interesting is they – I don't know if they made him the scapegoat or if they just feel that Mahomes is ready. But, yeah, it's – Kind of like the NFL, they're not addressing the real issue, and that's Andy Reid. But uh, I guess in, in Kansas City, still held in high regard by the front office. The other thing, and I was doing kind of a double-take rubbing of the eyes when I saw this, it looks like Smith's four-year deal is worth $94 million, but uh, something like seven per year is guaranteed. That's unbelievable. That's like the $99 million contract extension over 99 years, if you ask me. So uh, good for Alex Smith. He lands himself another starting job, but uh, – Remains to be seen if we'll even serve out the life of that contract. Yeah, that's true. And that's what we, we mentioned this from time to time, although we don't belabor the point. But NFL contracts are just – they're barely worth the paper they're, they're printed on or signed on, whatever you want to call it. If I don't like the contract as a player, I can hold out. If the owner doesn't like the team, the contract that he signed me to, he can just cut me. So I don't even know what they're actually worth. Nothing is guaranteed. The only thing that is guaranteed is your signing bonus, and that's only guaranteed, I believe, if you serve a certain amount of the contract. Uh, you have to be on the team for a certain period of time to actually guarantee the signing bonus. Right. They have that ubiquitous uh, roster bonus. So what they do is they cut you the day before so you're not around to collect it on March 1st or June 1st or whatever the case is. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, this could all present a, uh, an interesting situation when we look at Nick Foles, who's uh, signed through. He's actually due a bonus, I believe, if he's, on the, if he's on the Eagles roster on February of next year. So I think we have that situation here coming up, uh, which could uh, add some spice to the offseason here, depending on how the Eagles do in the Super Bowl. Yeah, definitely. And even at the team he just defeated, the Vikings, what do they do with Case Keenum? He could stand to make big money with another team and do the uh, Vikings promote Bridgewater. They keep Bradford. So, uh, yeah, you know, football fans, the, the game may be over come Monday morning, may be sad and 
despondent, but the NFL is now almost a 12-month-a-year league, and the news cycle will pick up again in March with free agency, never a dull moment. Yeah, that's true. And we look at the quarterbacks that are going to be available, though. Uh, quite possibly Nick Foles. And then we've got, you know, Kirk Cousins is going to be out there and also Case Keenum. So uh, it'd be interesting to see where they where they end up. I would kind of – I wouldn't mind seeing Nick Foles possibly go to Miami, but it all depends on Tannehill. But Tannehill has proven he's been kind of brittle. So – I think with those free agents out there, it's going to present some, uh, maybe some problems for my beloved Miami Dolphins. Yeah, and you figure Arizona, Denver, and potentially the Jaguars yeah. be in the market too. So it's going to be a lot of moving pieces in that QB area. Yeah, I think honestly, if I just look at the situation, I think Foles would fit best in Arizona. It just seems like when I look at the way that their offense is structured, it seems like he'd be a perfect fit to just uh, slide in there where Carson Palmer was and. You know, he played at the University of Arizona also. So, hey, I just think he'd be a good fit there for the Cardinals. So, Mr. Kime, if you're listening, you can feel free to go ahead and start negotiating and get uh, Nick Foles on your roster for opening day of 2018. You're like an NFL headhunter. You should get a cut on that contract. <laughs> okay, everybody. So, we're going to get into it right now, the – Super Bowl preview. We're going to look at the, uh, the some of the key matchups and see can the Eagles take down the Patriots or is it destiny that Tom Brady gets the sixth ring before the Patriots coaching staff uh, gets basically scattered about the earth. So, Mr. Lardieri, before we get into that, uh, any uh, you got some words of wisdom here for the fans out there? Yeah, sure. A little bit of a, a plug, my annual plug. So, uh, a professional podcaster slash NFL analyst, but I do have a day job and my day job uh, actually deal with uh, investments and the, uh, the world of stocks and my firm every year, we do a, uh, we're a quantitative firm, which means we like numbers. Uh, you know, some people generalize it and call it money ball or uh, computerized type money management. But uh, what we do is we analyze each NFL team and compute an internal rate of return per se to, uh, relative to gambling expectations. So we look at the money line for every team's game, all 16 regular season games. We calculate returns. This year, the Carolina Panthers had the highest return. We call this an NFL alpha. And then what we say, like a lot of things in life, you have one great year, you kind of come back down to reality. The fancy financial term for this is mean reversion. And our thesis is that teams that have these high alphas in the regular season will revert to the mean in the postseason. So we do a Super Bowl prediction. We've gotten it right 10 out of the last 14 years. We've been doing this this paper. Uh, last year, unfortunately, we ran the numbers. We looked into this. ESPN had a figure that at some point in the third quarter, the Falcons had a 99.8% probability of winning the Super Bowl. And we start the paper off talking about that and how if it was a stock, we probably would have sold in the third quarter and locked in our profit. But fortunately, you can't do that in Vegas in the gambling world. So we lost that prediction, but uh, sometimes you can't take into account human error, Dan Quinn, et cetera. But uh, so this year, the the numbers have a higher alpha, a.k.a. Uh, rate of return than the Patriots. We say go with the team with the lower NFL alpha. The Patriots, and this is interesting, the line opened at seven in Vegas, uh, conference championship Sunday night. It has been bet all the way down to four points as of today. There are a couple books in Vegas that – uh, only have the Patriots giving four. That's what we're going to lock it in as. We say the Patriots are the 
wise bet given mean reversion. Um, hopefully we're right. We've got a 71% success rate just from a selfish and professional perspective. But uh, I do think the story here is that the professionals clearly think the Eagles were the, the better bet from a point spread perspective. So uh, I think it makes it very interesting. And a couple other tidbits we pointed out in the paper, uh, your team, the Miami Dolphins and mine, the Giants, honestly, they had crappy years on paper, bad records, but in terms of NFL alphas, the Dolphins had the third highest in the league, even though they had a 6-10 and 10 record. Turns out they got the most bang for their buck with their upsets. They upset the Falcons and the Patriots, and uh, had you bet $100 on the, the Dolphins, I believe you would have had somewhere north of a 30% return, so that would have been nice on your $1,600 initial investment. The Giants actually had a return of minus 3%, but... In historical perspective, that's the highest return we've seen from a three-win team in NFL history. As for the Dolphins, that's the second highest return we've seen for a six-win team. So take heart, people. If your team stinks and uh, you wager wisely, of course, legally in the state of Nevada and potentially New Jersey someday, uh, you might be able to get a good return on your investment for your credit team. So uh, it's a few nuggets. You can find the paper on our website, aninvestor.com. All right. There we go. So, uh, well, one thing is Roger Goodell, and you know Adam Silver actually ta started talking about this from the NBA. But Roger Goodell is now openly talking about uh, the NFL and gambling, and I think they kind of see that maybe this is a freight train that you can't stop anymore, and uh, it's coming around the horn. So go ahead and get things in place now. To as he said, he's going to protect the integrity of the game because we know about you know teams maybe being a 12 or excuse me, maybe being a 12 point favorite being up by only 11 and kicking a field goal late in the game, which uh, I, I think happened in a game. Uh, I can't remember the teams, uh, what team was involved. I'll have to ask Bill Belichick about that, but yeah. uh, you know, interesting. I think that this whole gambling train, it's, it's coming, it's coming NBA, NFL, all the sports, but uh, those are the two main ones that really people like to bet on. Yeah, I, I think it is. And now they, they smell that proverbial blood in the water, a.k.a. money. There's too much to be made. And we all know fantasy's gambling. Eventually, these commissioners will admit to that. But uh, I think what's interesting is, you know, stigma was back in the day. You had these point-shaving scandals back in the 70s for that Boston College basketball team, for instance. But with the amount of money these professional athletes get paid, and even coaches, too, for that matter, I think it's really hard for someone to get a hold of them and offer – Alex Smith enough money when he's getting you know, $94 million. Allegedly. Uh, don't think they're going to be shaving points or fixing games, but uh, it does does bring to mind the, the Vikings-Saints playoff game. And uh, who knows, maybe uh, Mike Zimmer had some money with the Saints getting some points, and he really didn't want to kick that extra point for that reason. But they'll, they'll always be conspiracy theories. But, look, we, we were talking about this, the great old NFL film Super Bowl highlights. I'm watching Super Bowl 25. Otis Anderson's running the ball in the old sombrero in Tampa. And uh, what do you see in the background? A huge Marlboro sign. And that was, what, 20, 27 years ago? And it seems like a generation ago. And my, my how things have changed. And uh, I guess if uh, cigarettes kill you and gambling doesn't, let, let's show me the money, right? Yeah, that's true. And, you know, it's one thing I hadn't really considered when I look at the whole thing of athletes getting paid off is – uh, that's true with the salaries. And we have to look at the scandals way back when, <clears throat> where you could bribe a guy with what two thousand dollars back in the seventies to yeah. to uh, do something, you know, to 
throw a pick or a fumble or whatever, yeah. especially in basketball with the point shaving. But yeah, now you'd have to pony up, you know, 50, 60, 70, $80,000 or something to get one game quote unquote fixed, which still doesn't guarantee the outcome. So yeah, that's one thing. Now, one of these things I want to, I want to talk about something that you brought up last week and we've talked about every now and then, and that is the pass interference. Okay, and we talked about that maybe going through the college system. You said where it's a 15-yard penalty instead of a spot foul because now you have quarterbacks basically playing that. You get someone who's tightly covered, throw a back shoulder, and hope that they collide and they get a flag. But here's the problem is late in the game, I'm playing defense. It's a 15-yard penalty. What's to stop me from just tackling a guy? deep down the field when I know it's going to be only 15 yards instead of 30 yards. Here you are backed up to your own 20. You're trying to run a two-minute drill. So do you think there needs to be some tweaks there? Yeah, I mean, it kind of reminds me. I was talking about this with my uh, brother-in-law, Steven. Remember when the NBA had all these floppers and, you know, Vlade Divac being chief among them? Uh, the NBA managed to do away with that, and I think, too, we need to use this sort of pass interference flop where teams just throw the ball up. Hope for a 30, 40 yard penalty. You've got to do away with that. On the flip side, the other thing the NBA has done is the, the flagrant foul. And I think that's where it comes in there with the pass interference. If someone's wide open and, you know, he uh, is desperate and tackles him or tries to trip him or whatever the case is, um, then that's going to be a spot of the foul type penalty. Okay. So I think there can be some gray area worked into the role. However, given the NFL competition committee, I'm not so optimistic that will happen. But you know, I think at least here in our little football world, common sense would prevail. Yeah, I think so. Uh, leave it to the discretion of the officials, which is frightening. Especially remember, Bill Levy is still out there, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he didn't. He didn't abruptly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he should have been done after Super Bowl 40. And if anybody wonders, when you watch uh, any of those Super Bowl vignettes like they show on uh, NFL Network during Super Bowl week, Super Bowl 40, remember that was Bill Levy who was behind that. And actually, he tried to do the same thing when the, uh, when the Giants went to the Super Bowl. I think it was the second time. Uh, the NFL, the NFC championship game in Green Bay, he pulled a lot of stuff then, but the Giants won anyway, so it wasn't talked about. But there was a lot of questionable stuff there, too. Yeah, absolutely. And going back, I'm going to date myself back in the day. I know one of the uh, the favorites among NFC East fans as a whipping boy was Jerry Markbright, who liked calling holding penalties that never happened. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Let's get into a Super Bowl 52 all set for uh, Sunday, February 4th. It's going to be the Philadelphia Eagles against the New England Patriots. It's going to take place in Minnesota. So, as we said, uh, Patriots are a four-point favorite at this point, so it looks like everybody is kind of leaning towards the Eagles. Let's break down a couple of things here. And remember, we're going to pick just the winner, not picking against the point spread, just the outright winner here. But it comes down to matchups. They always talk about that. You know, styles make fights, so it's really about the matchup. You know, the front seven against the offensive line, the wide receiver against the defensive backs, uh, different quarterbacks. Remember, Nick Foles is, ha actually has the highest quarterback rating of any quarterback in the postseason right now. But, of course, Brady, all the experience, all the rings, all the glory. And, uh, you know, he, is a, he even has a really hot wife. But, you know, a lot of them do. So that's neither here nor there. But anyway, I think one of the keys here – We've got to look at the front seven of Philadelphia getting pressure on Brady to make him uncomfortable. 
And then we got to look at the run game of Philly, giving uh, keeping the New England defense honest to kind of uh, give them to a chance to take some shots down the field without Sean Jeffrey. Absolutely. And going back to the Patriots O-line, I know there are a lot of skeptics out there this week who don't seem to be too impressed with that line. But I got to tell you, I don't see Brady getting hurt. I don't see him getting knocked down uh, as much as other quarterbacks do. And you look back to the Jacksonville game, once they figured out how to block that in intimidating front seven, uh, it's kind of like it opened the floodgates for Brady. And uh, yeah, we, we know he's not going to be a guy throwing a lot of deep balls. He'll throw over the middle, a lot of crossing routes. If Gronk plays, he's going to be a factor. So I think just the what you'll see, too, is a lot of shotgun. Maybe they'll go some no huddle or hurry up, and uh, I think that's going to try and combat the Eagles' defense, keep them on the field, much like they did last year to the Falcons, and wear them out. Now, that said, the recipe for the Eagles to succeed is to knock Brady around. Even if they don't sack him, knock him down. He does not like being uncomfortable. Um, I'm a guy in my 40s. I know uh, it's not as easy to get up when you get hurt or knocked down or whatever or get out of bed in the morning. So they're going to have to apply a lot of pressure, have faith that their secondary covers the Patriots receivers, and if Gronk plays, try and neutralize him. But uh, you look, it's, it's not going to be sad. total pressures. If they can get in his face, I think they'll be successful. Uh, over to the Eagles receivers, um, I, I think the Patriots secondary, you know, they lose guys in free agency, and they always seem to find guys off the scrap heap. Um, you look at uh, Gilmore last week, a, a high price signing from the Bills. He kind of uh, was in the doghouse for a while this year. He ended up making a key play at the end of the game on fourth down. So I think that's an interesting matchup. Um, the Foles is going to have to throw the ball at some point. I don't think the Patriots will let the run game beat them. So that's going to be the matchup there. Will it be Nelson Aguilar? That's a guy to keep an eye on. As you mentioned, Jeffrey. Zach Ertz is always a threat over the middle. So uh, the lines of scrimmage are really going to be prevalent in this game, that's for sure. Yeah, that's true. And when you talk about the run game, though, with uh, they, uh, the Eagles, they just have a hammer there, I think, with running, being able to run Jay Ajayi all they want and then LeGarrette Blunt to uh, come in, as they call him, you know, the finisher, and just come and pound this 260-pound body when uh, when defenses really don't feel like tackling that much. But LeGarrette Blunt, who was, you know, he was one of the mainstays for the Patriots last year when they won the Super Bowl, and now he's in Philly. So I do think that Philly, if they can, it's about them executing the game plan. And as I talk about with these teams against New England, I'm not trying to slight the Patriots at all. In fact, view this as, really a testament to their excellence as a football team. But these teams that have them down have a chance to beat them. You know, Jacksonville with the 14-point lead, they can't hold it. Last year's Super Bowl, uh, Atlanta with a 25-point lead with two and two minutes and change left to go in the third period, they can't hold it. Super Bowl 49 with the Seattle Seahawks about to win the game and the slant route on the goal line. And we look at the only thing the Giants did when the Giants beat them twice was, one, the Giants didn't make any mistakes, and they had one big play in each game, and that's how they beat the Patriots. So you've got to play mistake-free football to beat them. That's the thing. Regardless of who's on your roster or how many points you get or how big a lead you have, can you play mistake-free football when it counts? Because the Patriots can do that. They can play mistake-free football. And that's my, my uh, concern with the Eagles here. When you talk about Foles is going to have to throw, I saw him make some great throws in the championship game. And, I mean, he is dropping it in the bucket on a few of those throws 
deep downfield, uh, good crossing routes, everything. He was on the money. But if Foles gets jittery at all, it's going to be a long afternoon for the Eagles. So uh, on paper, it looks like the Eagles have a great shot here. I, I really think they do. But there's just a few things, and I think the, the biggest question mark we know that uh, we know they can run the ball because it's not like a running back is going to all of a sudden start fumbling in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Knock on wood, but <laughs> it's about the quarterback being able to execute when he needs to execute, and if Nick Foles really has the ice water in his veins that he needs to do that against the Patriots. Yeah, and I'm kind of skeptical too. I, I think Foles has had a nice run here, and good for him as a guy who's bounced around. But him being the second coming of Jeff Hostetler, and even as much as much love as I have for Haas, um, that game was won because Otis Anderson ran the ball down the Bills' throat and they controlled the line of scrimmage and ate up enough clock to win that game. Um, another thing, too, you mentioned when the Giants didn't make mistakes against the Patriots, they left just enough time on the clock. And there were both games. There were shots where Brady could have won that game, a couple passes get knocked away, but you leave 30 seconds on the clock. That's a lot for these Patriots. You, like – Cannot, I mean, I don't know. They're like cats. They have nine lives. They're like Darth Vader. When you think uh, he's out, he comes back. I, I, I almost feel like opposing coaches get mesmerized by Belichick and start either doubting themselves or overthinking things. And you know, Doug Peterson's done a great job first time here in the Super Bowl. But uh, the, the way I look at it, there's got to be that Belichick factor priced in here somehow. All right. Well, you know, without any further ado, here we are in the playoffs. And, you know, the playoffs have been rocky and a lot of, uh, hey, a lot of surprises, some upsets and things. And on, um, here we are, the final game. There's been 10 games played. I have a record of 5-5. Five and five. Uh, Chris is at 4-6 and six here. But trust me, we study football all the time. But these things happen. So here we go, Chris. Who are you picking? Uh. Patriots. Eagles. The, the, Who you got? The Super Bowl that is a moral dilemma for every New York Giants and potentially <laughs> New York Jets fan out there. Uh, don't like either team. Um, nothing personal. It's just from a football fan. Now that I'm going to take that hat off, I'm going to be a football analyst here. Uh, at the end of the day, I do think the Eagles can give the Patriots a game. I think something important to note is the Patriots have never blown anyone out in their Super Bowl wins. A lot of them come down the field goals, a touchdown difference. So I don't expect that to be the case here. I do think they'll win. I think it'll be closer than a lot of people expect. At the end of the day, I mean, this may sound like I'm a simpleton, but Tom Brady and Bill Belichick versus Nick Foles and Doug Peterson. And I know the Eagles defense has, has done a really good job, kind of an underrated unit this year. When Carson Wentz went down, they really carried this team as Foles got the rust off. But uh, at the end of the day, I have, as a, as a football observer, I have more faith in those two guys. But uh, don't count the Eagles out. This is not going to be a blowout. Um, if anything, I think the Eagles could easily win this game. If the Patriots do make a mistake or like the Eagles did against the Vikings, they get a turnover and take it back to the house. Uh, they could just as easily win this game, but going to go with the chalk and take the Pats. Yeah, there we go. And you know what you said about Nick Foles and, and what happened to, when you're talking about what might happen to Nick Foles is what happened to Case Keenum in that championship game, which is he, you know, the, the clock struck midnight. And you could tell he turned into the, you know, the kind of skittish quarterback that he kind of always had been up to that point. And that magical run was over. And will the clock strike midnight on Nick Foles? So the, the Eagles have the stuff to, to beat the Patriots. The Jacksonville could have beaten them and didn't. But 
The Eagles, I'm, I'm going to say this. With the Eagles' defense and with that run game being able to control the clock, if they don't make any gross errors, I think the Eagles win this game. So I'm going to go ahead out on a limb and say that the Eagles finally, a team goes into the Super Bowl, doesn't make mistakes against the Patriots, and the Eagles win the Super Bowl. Oof. That's it. It's I, I just think I think they can do it. They got to control the clock, not let the game get out of hand. If New England gets ahead by, you know, 10, 14 points, it could be a long day. But control the ball, run the ball, make some accurate throws when you need to make them. And I think the Eagles can pull this thing out. But, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm going with the Eagles. I'm going Eagles here. Can't even believe it came out of your mouth. It was like you, uh, you a ventriloquist just controlled you. Yeah, well, I may feel like a dummy when all this is over. So <laughs> I <know. laughs> I'm going Eagles, folks. I'm going Eagles. Eagles shock the world, and then uh, next season, you know, this is going to lead to. Well, Nick Foles, remember, he has some real incentive to do this because if the Eagles win the Super Bowl. Uh, Foles is going to wind up making some huge, huge money somewhere. He's probably, he's definitely, he's not going to be in Philadelphia anymore, but somebody's going to be paying him $30 million a year. Yeah, he could be the quarterback version of uh, Larry Brown, Dallas Cowboys against Pittsburgh Steelers, some, what, 22 years ago? So, yeah, I, I could see that. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I don't think it's that off the rails to say the Eagles could win this game. Yeah, it's hard for me to go back and forth. I'm just doing more of the proverbial betting on the jockey here. But uh, right. I know I know it feels unusual for that to come out of your mouth. But who knows? Maybe that's a sign that the apocalypse is upon us, right? Philadelphia wins the Super Bowl. Yeah, and if the apocalypse happens, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff in my life that I would no longer have to worry about. So, you know, a lot of people fear the apocalypse. I welcome the apocalypse. So that just, you know, a lot of things I just wouldn't have to worry about anymore. But, by the way, NFL Alphas, uh, your – uh, what was theirs? I didn't quite catch now. How are they picking as far as the Super Bowl goes? How the analytics go on that? So we take the team at the lower, uh, what we call NFL Alpha, a.k.a. Mm -hmm. uh, rate of return, and the Patriots are somewhere in the neighborhood of 12%. The Eagles, I think, were about 31 32%. So we say mean reversion. Um, in the regular season, we would say, oh, go with the Eagles. They, you know, they're, they've got the higher rate of return. But what we say is season over season, teams will – get back to average. So bet the one with the lower return, even though they may not have returned as much during the regular season, they will do well in the new season, AKA the playoffs. Uh, we do this on a point spread basis. So thankfully that line has come down a full three points and hopefully it works. Um, essentially we need the Patriots to win by five points or more to be correct. But uh, looking at last year, they won by six, they beat the Eagles by seven, not within, yeah, definitely within the realm of possibility, but you get a, a three point game and we don't cover that bet, and the Patriots win. That stings on both sides as a, uh, as a pseudo gambler here in this case. But uh, even, you know, doing the gambler's delight segment this year, just trying to look at the game. Um, I don't think the Eagles are that bad of a bet as underdogs. I'm not as convinced about it, but I would rather have four and a half, five points if you're going to go do that. Um, I know a lot of people going to Vegas, there's, some 400 prop bets out there. 
Um, do yourself a favor. Don't try and parlay some sort of LeBron James total points versus uh, Tom Brady total passing yard over under type thing. Um, one of the ones that always amuses me are the uh, ones who, who to, to score the first touchdown. Took a glance at this today. The uh, the Westgate had some odds out on this and Gronk, who it looks like I'm, I'm guessing he will play with a seven to one to score the first touchdown. That's not a bad one on the Eagles side. I kind of like uh LeGarrette Blunt, I think was 12 to one and sure if they get the ball down there, they're going to give him the ball. He's a total. Just got that. It has that nose for the end zone when they get down there and the, within the time. Um, I, I think no, I know he's, he's had a good season and I know Jeffrey's gotten a lot more attention. Um, careful. He can get open. He, he's ever, and then too, like for the, for the Patriots, I know everyone's going to be talking about, but how about our old buddy, James white? You know, he likes catching the ball out of the backfield. He scored the winning touchdown last year in overtime. Another one to take a flyer on. Don't hold me to any of this. This is just all fun and games. And, uh, I think in the grand scheme of things, like with investments, you should diversify. But um, I'd rather see you do that than waste money on Super Bowl squares like I seem to do every year. <laughs> but Super Bowl squares are so much fun. <laughs> yeah, so are lottery scratchers. <laughs> okay, everybody. So, you know what? That's about it. We're out of here. Uh, enjoy the big game. We'll be back next week. And remember, uh, Hall of Fame, they're going to announce the new the 2018 class on Saturday night. We'll see you. Uh, Terrell Owens is still complaining after, hmm. you know, on Sunday. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that next week. We'll give a Super Bowl wrap-up and anything else that might go on. You know, I know we forgot to cover the Pro Bowl, but that was on purpose. Now, remember, everybody, every week, this is NFL Football Talk, Inside Sports Production. Follow me on Twitter at the Inside Sports. You can follow Chris, follow Chris on Twitter at Chris L Sports. That's at C-H-R-I-S, the letter L, and then Sports. And for Mr. Lardieri, I'm Charles E. Smith, Jr. Thank you for watching, and we will see everyone next week. Enjoy the Super Bowl party. Frank here from Super BS, talking about the things you know you love and the things you'd love to know. Join us weekly for a podcast about video games. Mostly. Ooh.